and welcome back to a brand new episode of Coco Reads Books. So this is the second episode I've done since recording A Murder at Balmoral. So that means this is the second book that I have read um, this year. This is the second book that I've read this year um, because my New Year's resolution, again, was to read a lot more books. So that means I've read a total of two books and it's February. So maybe my, my goal can be to read at least one book a month. I feel like that's reasonable because, again, I am in law school and I do prioritize law school. So I'm reading for pleasure. Um, while it is supposed to be fun, it can be a little distracting at times because one of the many like downfalls of being a, down, a law student is that if you're not doing something school-related, it almost feels like you're doing something wrong. <laughs> like, I'm sure other law students out there can relate, but because there's always so much to do, whenever you take time for yourself, it's like, well, I mean, you know, I took time for myself yesterday. I should, <laughs> like, I should go back to reading for property or, you know, figuring out this LRAC assignment or legal writing assignment. But, um, so I am trying to convince myself to read more, and I actually finished my second book in, like, two days because I kind of did force myself to read it just so I could get another book on my list. Um, but yeah, the reason I chose this book is because I did want something a little bit lighter on the eyes because I was going to read another book, which I won't mention because I do still want to read it in the future and do a review on it. But that was the book I was supposed to read, but it was a little bit too, I won't say complicated, but like I said, because I do prioritize law school, I try to save like the more difficult readings for school. So when I'm not reading for school, I want it to be just like a simple, easy read. Like I don't really want like a Shakespearean classic or like a Greek mythology, because although those are very fun and entertaining to read, like let's be honest, they're not as easy as like reading a Wattpad book. <laughs> so um, the other book that I was going to do a review on today, I ended up stop. I stopped reading it after like a couple of pages. I got I got pretty in there, not like deep enough to where it would bother me if I read another book. But you know, it was a couple. It was a decent couple chapters. Um, and then I bought this book right after because I was like, well, what's probably one of the easiest things that'll be for me that'll you know that I could read. And obviously, like romantic comedies, they're very easy to digest and take in not a lot happens in them like you know the whole gist is person a means meets person b they fall in love there's probably some obstacles in the middle but overall 80 percent of the time you're going to have a happy ending so um i wanted to read a romantic comedy and this specific romantic comedy i literally googled um romance novels with happy endings because i wasn't going to dedicate like the time that I could be studying for law school. I wasn't going to do that by reading a book that made me cry in the end because intro to property already makes me cry. Criminal procedure 8th edition already makes me cry. Like I don't want to have to read about this couple falling in love and then I fall in love with them and then in the end they don't stay together. Like I don't think I'm in a place emotionally or spiritually where I could handle something like that happening to me. I barely ha like handle it when it happens in property. So I wanted something that was definitely going to make me like happy and giggly. And, you know, just like, you know, when I was a kid, I loved reading romance books because they were just like fun and flirty. 
So that's why I wanted to read another one again. So anyway, enough of me talking. Let's get into it. The book that I am going to be reviewing, and that was my second book of 2023. I might have said 2022 earlier, but I don't know how to edit. <laughs> so if I said 2022 earlier, ignore that. I was just lying. I meant 2023. But anyway, the book is, drumroll please, Beach Read by Emily Henry. So this is my first Emily Henry book, and I say that because... I didn't realize Emily Henry was like a thing until I went on TikTok after reading this book to see what like the general populace's reaction towards it was. And apparently Emily Henry is like a beloved author, which I didn't realize when I was Googling like Googling romance books with happy endings. I think she was one of the first couple that popped up and I picked her book specifically because of the cover. It was like an artistic, it was like a hand-drawn cartoon cover. And like I said, my goal was to get something like light and easy to read. So I feel like if the cover was any indication of that, this was going to be the easiest to read. But yeah, Emily Henry was like a whole thing on TikTok. And people like read all of her books and rate all of her books. So, um, but yeah, I can see why she's a beloved author. Like this was a nice book. So I guess that's kind of a spoiler <laughs> for what my rating is going to be. Um, so this definitely won't be my last Emily Henry book. Um, another spoiler. But anyway, just like the last episode where I read A Murder at Balmoral, I want to preface that this is going to be spoiler heavy. So if you haven't read the book and don't want to be spoiled, don't listen to this. However, I do have a much shorter and spoiler free review that um, can be watched instead. It does include my um, opinions and official rating, but not too many spoilers that people can be free to um, watch instead. I wanted to give um, that option so you could like maybe, um, like if you haven't read the book yet, but you still want to know if I recommend it, then you could listen to the shorter spoiler-free review. And if you've already read the book, then you can come and listen to the longer one to see specifically why I gave it the rating that I did. But let's keep going. Um, last episode, I started by giving a very detailed summary of the book. I think I literally basically went like chapter by chapter. Um, however, um, I really didn't do it in a way that I liked. I was trying to do more review and less summary. I feel like it kind of felt like... Um, like a little book review you would do in third grade. So this time I am going to do it a little differently. I want to give a much shorter summary. And then once I completely summarize it, then I'll go into a much longer detailed review. And I also think that last time I did read a murder mystery. So I feel like it kind of made sense in a way to do a long summary of it because there's a lot of twists and turns and you have to like give all the details so you can know how it gets to that ending. But since this is just like a romance, there's not really a lot happening in terms of like twists and turns. You know, romances tend to be very straightforward. Like, you know, they're just on a timeline. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. So, you know, I, I don't really want to go too deep into a summary because it doesn't really matter that much. Um, anyway, let's go into the book. As usual, I'm going to start by doing the blurb. So this is the blurb specifically on the back of the book. 
Um, so, Augustus Everett is an acclaimed author of literary fiction. January Andrews writes best-selling romance. When she pens a happily ever after, he kills off his entire cast. They're polar opposites. In fact, the only thing they have in common is that for the next three months, they're living in neighboring beach houses, broke and bogged down with writer's block. Until one hazy evening, one thing leads to another and they strike a deal designed to force them out of their creative ruts. Augustus will spend the summer writing something happy and January will pen the next great American novel. She'll take him on field trips worthy of any rom-com montage and he'll take her to interview surviving members of a backwoods death cult, obviously. Everyone will finish a book and no one will fall in love. Really. Okay, so that was it. That was the blurb that was on the back of the book. And honestly, I think the blurb was what made me want to buy it. I love a good enemies to lovers trope. And I think this is one of the tags that was included in it. I love a good enemies to lovers. And I thought that's what we were getting. It doesn't really talk too much about enemies to lovers. In fact, it literally tells you like they start off basically like as friends immediately <laughs> like they start off with that bet so I don't know why I was expecting it to be more enemies to lovers it kind of was but it wasn't really I don't know if you would give it the tag enemies to lovers necessarily they weren't really enemies for that long um not if you can't you, ugh, I'm getting ahead of myself but so I'll probably talk about the enemies to lover more towards the end if I can remember about it. But I do have a lot of things I want to go through. So who knows? But this book basically starts off with a young woman. Her name is January Adams. No, Janu not January Adams. Um, January Andrews. So yeah, that's her name, January. Because she was born on January. January 13th, I think. But, um, so she starts off by telling us why she believes in romance stories, and it's because of her dad and how it seemed like he loved his wife, um, because you immediately start off with receiving the information that, um, her mother had been diagnosed with cancer, and her father dealt with that news very well, and it was in a very romantic way and so this little girl seeing how her father treats her mother it makes her believe in love and even more it makes her want to write about love so you start off with getting like the reason she's a romance author which i thought was really cool i thought it was really cute it's like yeah why do i do what i do well it's because my dad loved my mom even though she had cancer it sounds horrible to say it that way but i mean i feel like that's kind of how the book started i don't know Anyway, spoiler alert, as it turns out, her dad had been cheating on her mom. <gasps> Shock. And her mom had known, but January hadn't known. So basically, the whole reason she's this like super optimistic, romantic person is because of the love her father had for her mother. But then upon her father's death, because that's how she finds out, um, he dies. And as he dies, he basically takes her optimism with her because he was the entire reason she believed in love. And then as it turns out, he wasn't really all that committed to love himself. So this kind of breaks her heart. But the way she found out was that at her father's funeral, basically the mistress, the woman that her 
father cheated on her mother with shows up at the funeral and spills the beans um which i thought was a hilarious way to take it because like there was no better time for you to come and have this conversation and you know i'm not saying the mistress shouldn't have been at the funeral that's on her if she wants to show up and like whoever told her the man was dead but to not only show up at the funeral but to then confront the dead man's family and um, tell them about the affair is kind of funny. That's all I'll say about that right now. So um, the mother is obviously like very upset and then January herself is very confused. But the mistress gives her a letter from her father, from January's father. And the mistress also gives January the key to a beach house that her father owned it was her father's childhood home that he was now handing over to january and which he had apparently had all along and none of them knew because he was living in that house with the mistress um like that's crazy like that's more than having an affair like you basically had like a whole second family but after the funeral january would decide that she wants to sell the beach house which obviously because why would you want to live in the house that you're dad was having an affair in um but yeah she sends it because like you know it's a symbol of her father's infidelity so she does go there to start cleaning the house out and you know packing up some of the furniture to sell it on craigslist um and the beach house is like in this tiny little town in an, in another state so she no longer lives like in the state she lived in with her mother so she's in um her father's hometown where the beach house is and um I know the book described this in another way, but in my head as I was reading, because it really did feel like the characters were in their own little world, I felt like it was just these two houses on the beach. Like it was just these two houses, like literally. And when I say on the beach, I'm talking literally on the beach, like Hannah Montana dream house on the beach. Like they open their back door and they're there. Um, waters hitting their window at night that's what I mean by like that's how I imagined it in my head and I imagine that there are no other houses on this block it's just these two houses right next to each other and for all I know that is how she described it I don't know I wasn't really paying attention when she describes like like settings I don't really pay attention I kind of skip over to dialogue when people describe too much in books but um, yeah, so I literally imagine them like in their own little world. Even when they go out, it just feels like this is a small town where you have like five houses total, one convenience store, and then like the rest of town is like a two-hour drive away. Like it was just them. So it turns out the other person in the other house, like I said, I, I envisioned two houses, so her and her neighbor, and it turns out her neighbor is an old college classmate that she hadn't liked. Um, but it turns out she so she didn't like him, but then she developed a crush on him. And then that crush, like, you know, went away as she forgot about him after graduation. Um, and at first, this neighbor, and this is Augustus, by the way, who goes by Gus throughout the book. Um, the neighbor, Gus, is kind of rude to January, but then, like, um, there's this switch that flips and almost out of nowhere he starts to be kinder towards her and then there is this really really interesting scene where 
she's trying to get some work done but he's throwing like this super loud party in in his own house and so she tries to get him to turn off the music which first of all i don't think you can do and close your windows um and second i think that and then so like what drove me crazy was she the exact quote is um I threw on my Pizza Prince sweatshirt and stormed out the front door, marching up the neighbor's steps. So, yeah. Pizza Prince sweatshirt was like an interesting styly, stylist choice. To, and it wasn't like written in a way that was, I don't know if it was supposed to be like purposely cringy or if this is genuinely the kind of thing that this character wears on her free time. They didn't explain if I was supposed to be like, oh, wow, pizza sweatshirt, haha, <laughs> she's so funny. Or, oh, wow, pizza sweatshirt, how ironic, she's so funny. I don't know how I was supposed to interpret that pizza sweatshirt. So I just went with my gut feeling. And my gut feeling is that this is like millennial humor. And she really just thought the pizza sweatshirt was like, oh, I'm so quirky and cool. I love pizza so much. I wear clothes that have pizza on the cover. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not a millennial. I'm Gen Z technically. But I don't really consider myself Gen Z. I consider myself in that like there's like a one foot long, you know, um space between millennial and Gen Z and I am in that space. So I'm not one or the other. I'm in my own us us like 99 to 2001 kids. We're all in that little bubble. So I'm not millennial nor am I Gen Z. I don't know what you call that millennial z whatever but um so i consider myself more in that little like inch space so i feel like i can comfortably make fun of both generations which is why i can make fun of the millennial generation i don't mean any disrespect by it i just think um like it's funny how we find different things funny you know <laughs> that's um, but yeah, the pizza sweatshirt was funny. <laughs> so anyway, after um, she goes to interrupt him, this is when they become best friends and their friendship starts to grow after this scene. Um, what happens next is they bas basically both get invited to a book club meeting, which was actually hosted by Gus's aunt. And at this book club, she ends up running into her father's mistress. Who, her name is Sonia. The mistress's name is Sonia. I was so offended reading that because my name is Kanya. And first of all, I don't know how Sonia is pronounced because there's like Tanya. And then I pronounce mine Kanya. And so it's like Sonia, Sonia, Sonia. I don't know. But I was pronouncing it like Sonia. But... That's the mistress's name. And I was really offended because it was a little too close to my name. So I felt like this was like almost a personal attack on my character. And I did take that into consideration when I was giving this book its official rating. Um, yeah. So anyway, at this book club, Gus shows up. And then there's this situation where he thought his book was going to be the topic of conversation. But then it turns out that the book club members had read the wrong book. So his book was like this super serious thing. I don't know. They never really talked about what his book was about. Or maybe they did talk about it and I didn't care enough to retain that information. 
but basically um the book club members thought they were reading his book but they ended up reading one about like spies so there's this like really funny situation where um he's like waiting for them to start talking about his book but they start talking about spies and i actually thought it was really funny um and i want to read this um I, January Andrews, romance writer and literary wonderkind Augustus Everett, had stumbled into a book club trafficking primarily in spy novels. And I thought that was funny. <laughs> a book club trafficking primarily in spy novels is like a really funny quote to read. Um, I thought it was like an unexpected kind of funny because I'm not going to be honest, up until this point, there wasn't, there weren't really things making me laugh. Like I said, it was it was giving millennial humor, which, again, not to say millennial humor is bad per se. It's just not my type of funny. It's not what I was raised on. You know, that's it. Um, and then, so, yeah. Anyway, Gus and January, you know, after this book club situation, they finally, like, start bonding over things. They realize they have more in common than they thought. And um, and they find out they both remembered each other from college. And so they start talking more. And then they ultimately form this bet because they're both in their respective houses to write their newest novels. So Gus basically um, says that January will write like a serious tragedy. While January asks Gus to write a romantic comedy. Um, so they both have to write basically the opposite of what their traditional, you know, genres have been. And so because neither one of them had written in the other genre before, they come up with part of the bet is that the person writing one genre will get help from the other person that's already written that genre. So basically, January, who's writing the tragedy, Gus is going to be taking her on these like field trips to kind of give her inspiration for that tragedy. And then, Jan and then Gus, who's going to be writing a romantic comedy, January will be taking Gus on field trips to inspire him to write a romantic comedy. So they're basically going to be like living in each other's shoes in a way to help prepare for the stories they're going to write. And I thought that was a cute idea. I mean, it wasn't a blurb. It was why I ended up picking the books. So I thought it was a cute idea. But, and then I'm reading the comment that I wrote because I like to highlight and write as I go so I can read my thoughts that I had when I officially read the book. But this is like wording how they describe their bets. On Fridays, I'll go with you to do whatever research you would usually do, which would include, I gestured for him to fill in the blank. He smiled crookedly. It was extremely evil. Oh, all sorts of riveting things, he replied. And then on Saturdays, we'll do whatever you usually do for research. Hot air balloon trips, sailing lessons, two-person motorcycle rides, candlelit restaurants with patio seating and band cover bands. And, and bad cover bands, I mean. But yeah, that was how they, they described their, like, um, their little give and take bet thing and my comment was you were literally describing dates like you're two grown adults i think january is supposed to be about 29 whilst gus is said to be 
He's 33 by the end of the book, so we can assume he's 32 throughout it. Um, you guys are literally elderly. <laughs> and instead of saying, I would like to start a relationship with you because I'm attracted to you and I appreciate how well your personality links with mine. Instead of saying that, you say, you know what would be so funny? <laughs> If I make you do some weird stuff with me on Fridays, every Friday, by the way, I'll literally pencil you in my calendar. And meanwhile, we do super romantic stuff with each other on Saturdays. We'll go to the state fair. We'll have dinner by the beach. But um, you're not going to fall in love with me, and I'm not going to fall in love with you because we're not dating. This is simply experimenting. And it's definitely a trope that's been done before The like, um, I mean, I would. it's obviously not been done before in this exact way, but there's so many movies out there of, like, you know, let's fake date to, like, get the guy or something, or me and you, we're going to be hanging out doing these things, but it's not a date. And then you know by the end they're going to get together. You know, it's, like, it's really, it's a really, like, um, it's a common trope. Like, it's been done over and over. But I think usually in the past it's done with, like, teenagers not that it hasn't i don't think i mean it's certainly been done with elder people i say elder people i swear i don't think people in their late 20s early 30s are elderly i swear i don't mean that i don't know why it keeps coming out that way but <clears throat> older people i don't think it's as common of a trope it still could be a trope maybe i've just i haven't been introduced to that specific genre yet or maybe i'm i i have been but i just haven't like necessarily clocked what i was watching but i don't think this it's really the kind of thing that goes along with like you know it's just it's hard to describe i guess but i feel like that it's a little bit immature of a trope it is really like cute and funny but i wish it could have been immediately acknowledged like oh we're so immature or like this is so childish we both know what we're doing but throughout the story you definitely you get you feel january's confusion when she doesn't realize what's happening between her and gus it doesn't feel like this is some sort of confession where it's like i'm gonna say it's for book research but we both know i'm asking you out on dates right and this is just like a really cute romantic way to do it because we're writers but that doesn't come out and you kind of just get the idea that oh yeah they were really just gonna do this bet <laughs> you guys are 40 <laughs> But that's a really weird criticism I had about it. I do think it was cute. Like, obviously, when you have to read romances, you kind of have to, it doesn't have to make perfect sense. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't immature. I just think maybe um, there could have been another way to go about this. Like, they're writing the, each other's book part. I think that would have been good, but, like, to immediately out the get-go, like, get-go, like, this is, like, their first time having a normal conversation, and then he's like, yeah, let's start going on dates. I think it would have been a better idea to, like, introduce this project. Like, I'll write a romantic comedy, and you'll write a tragedy, because neither of us are used to those genres, are used to those genres, and then they write their books, like, not necessarily, like, you know, 
expecting these field trips on the weekend. Like at the beginning, it starts off they're just writing the books, and then over time, as they start to talk to each other more through um, their window, like the dining table, the the porch, as I'm going to get into later, like as that goes on, then they can introduce the idea of taking these trips because it's like, yeah, we, like you and I both know, like they're basically dates, but as long as neither of one of us says like the D word out loud, it doesn't become real. So then even though that way is like, it is still like, you know, a little bit more, a little bit immature, but it's not like, um, I feel like it's not as like shocking to, to take that in because I do remember I was shocked when I read that because it's like, just say it. If you want to ask her out, ask her out. And also like, you don't really know her all that well yet. And you're basically asking her out. Okay. So let me explain it more clearly. I, I, it's like finally like forming in my head what I mean. But the way it originally is written, like I said, you get the idea that they genuinely think these bets are just bets. Like, they don't have any, like, hidden meanings behind it. Like, when he says, on Fridays we'll do this and on Saturdays we'll do this, he's not saying it, like, as a secret meaning. Oh, yeah, we're going to be hanging out and going on dates and stuff. He's not saying that like he's literally just like promising to do a bet so when you you first get that like they haven't really so like that's what I mean but that's immature and that's I don't like it like that but I would have liked it better if instead of immediately introducing this on Fridays we'll do this Saturdays we'll do this like at first just introduce the idea of like the bet and then as time goes on and they start to like each other more then you can say on Fridays we'll do this, Saturdays we'll do that. Because, like, this is a fun project, but, like, me and you, we have writer's block. I know, let's, we can both do something that can inspire the other person. So, um, I think that would have been better because then it's like you know they're only bringing that up so they can go out on dates. But it makes more sense because now they've had time to actually get to know each other. As opposed in how it's originally written in the book when he just introduces the idea. And then it's like they genuinely don't think anything that's going to happen. Because there's no way you can introduce an idea like this without knowing that you're setting yourself up to fall in love with the person basically. And um, so to immediately introduce that is a little bit naive. I think that's the word I was looking for. It's naive which is a little immature for how old and experienced they are so that's what I mean I, I hope that comes across but I thought it was like a little bit naive how it's written whereas in the other one um it comes across as naive but the hidden layer is that both characters know because they've been building this connection so when you finally introduce the idea of like going on like these dates that aren't really dates it's you know, it's, it's, it's cute. But that's just my personal opinion. Obviously, people can have different opinions. I just went on that whole ramble. Probably makes not a lick of sense. But anyway, there's like a montage, like sequence of chapters where both of them are, are at their dining tables facing each other as they write. And it's giving that Taylor Swift episode. He wears short skirts, I wear a t-shirt, she's your captain, and I'm on the bleachers, thinking on the day when you wake up and find that what you're looking for, I've been here, okay, I keep, uh, okay. T- 
Taylor Swift distracted me. I do apologize. But it was like that one scene where they write letters to each other in that Taylor Swift video. Um, and I thought that was utterly too romantic. I loved it. And basically, uh, I don't know, I thought it was really cute. And then especially like what happens at the end, I thought the buildup was really great. I thought that was like one of the best, like that's probably what made me start getting into this more. But basically as part of their bet, Gus starts to take January on trips on Friday. And January takes Gus on romantic outings. Um... And my thing with this is that, um, okay, so the trips that Gus is taking January on, they're basically to talk to members of cults, like people who had been a part of cults or people who know people who had been a part of cults, which is terrifying. What? I was taken aback, even though it literally tells you on a blurb, I feel like, I I don't know, I thought it would, like, come together more coherently, but it's kind of so random, <laughs> and it's so funny, and it doesn't, I'll talk about it more in their review, but I thought it was, it was really left, out of left pocket, out of left field. <laughs> but, um, and so January is taking him on these, he's, they're literally going on dates. Like, they go to, um, they go line dancing they go to like the town fair like they literally go on dates and basically this this one last date they go on because by the end you they they just drop the whole idea of friday we do this saturday we do that so um on one of their last saturday dates she takes him to a drive-in movie theater where they watch like these three romance films they were Meg Ryan films that they watched back to back to back. And so um, they go to that drive-in movie theater. And this is where they immediately hook up. And yeah. So you would think like the romance is started because like, okay, yeah, you guys, you guys hooked up. And it was a funny scene because like the, because first of all, they're in public. And like the owner said, because the, old, the owner ended up showing up and like telling them to get out, <laughs> which was well-deserved. But the owner literally said, this is a family establishment. And the way she was describing the scene, too, it's like, you guys are literally in public. Not to mention, like, so this is a drive-in movie theater, which means the trunk was open so they could watch the movie. Who knows how many people were just, like, witness to what they were doing. And that's why the movie theater owner ultimately came and was like, y'all need to get out. <laughs> it was like... I would, I would have enjoyed the scene so much more if it took place in literally any other setting because a dine-in movie, a drive-in movie theater that is open to children of all ages, you guys are insane. And they were not being quiet either. So I thought that was funny. Funny. Haha. <laughs> and yeah, throughout the book, they hook up quite often. However, after the first couple of times, or I guess at least, I think the, the first two times, they would get together and then, like, almost not even acknowledge it. And it was kind of weird because I think they were trying to go for, like, a will-they-won't-they they thing, but it was it ultimately ended up being super confusing. Um, and um, Jan, January knows that the relationship might end in heartbreak, but then she confesses that she's still willing to give it a try, which I thought was nice. 
I thought it was like a really realistic like thing to do. Um, and there's a lot more things that happen throughout, but they're not really anything like of note. They were just, you know, not you know things I can't even remember. Um, so by the end, they both finish their books. January finishes her her tragedy, which she couldn't resist. She of course she had to include a romance in her tragedy. And then Gus ended up writing his romantic comedy. However, his romantic comedy ends with a meteor crashing into the earth and killing the main character. So they got together by the end, but then the meteor comes in and, and kills them. And it's supposed to be like, oh, Gus, even when he's writing a romantic comedy, he still has to make it tragic. But it's so funny because in the book, they're like, the meteor killed only the main characters. <laughs> so they fall in love and then they're immediately crushed to death by a meteor that kills only them conveniently. <laughs> and they get what they were going for, but I thought it was so funny. <laughs> it was so funny. It feels like something that would happen in a cartoon. You know, like, can you imagine, like, Tom and Jerry, um, Tom finally catches Jerry, and then the show ends with Tom getting crushed to death by a meteor. Like, it's something that happens in a cartoon. So for him to write that in this book, that apparently sold for a lot of money. <laughs> It was really funny. <laughs> but yeah, um, nine months later, I when I read this chapter, my heart sank. <laughs> so I was like, nine months later, if a baby pops up, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> but thankfully, it wasn't a baby. But then that only made me more mad. <laughs> because you chose nine months. What do you think people are going to think? What do you think people are going to think when they read a chapter nine months later? And to make matters worse, this is the last chapter in the whole book. And it's called Nine Months Later. That was so funny. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was really funny. And then, yeah, no, there was no baby. It was literally just nine months later. <laughs> The book ends with the couple, January and Augustus, entering their house, and all of their family and friends are there, and they go, surprise! And I was like, oh my god, no, there is a baby. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like they walk in the house, their family and friends yell surprise, and then they look down at their little baby daughter who they just brought back home from the hospital. I thought it was going to be that, but no, it wasn't that. Instead, the banner says happy anniversary. So then apparently it was Augustus's birthday. This chapter took me on a roller coaster of emotions. I'll just say that. But basically it ends with January being like, oh my God, what? Why is all our family and friends here? And she turns around and Augustus proposes to her. And honestly, I wept. I'm not going to cry. I read, because here, let me read it. Let me read it. Let me read it. Let me read it. <clears throat> da, 
let's see. Let me see if I can find the chapter. Okay, 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 I found it. My voice came out small and tiny. Another, wait, no, I have to start even further back because it starts even better than that. Okay, so he says, I have a good idea, January, he said, and then his face was lowering as he knelt in front of me. My hand was in his, and I realized I was shaking, or he was shaking, or we both were. He gazed up at me in the warm light of the study. My voice came out small and tiny. Another Pirates of the Caribbean movie. His smile split wide and full, so open that, if I leaned forward, I thought I could look down his throat straight at his beating heart. January Adams, a year ago I met you for the second time, and it's changed my life. I don't care how it ends, as long as I spend it all with you. He reached into his pocket and pulled out a small white square, a crinkled piece of notebook paper that looked like it had been creased and unfurled hundreds of times already. Slowly, he unfolded it once more and held it up to me, revealing the two words sprawled across in large black letters. Marry me! Is that not the most beautiful ending ever? I was literally freaking out. As soon, as soon as I read it, I set that book down and I had to pace across my living room for like 10 minutes. I, I was screaming, crying, throwing up. I was, oh my gosh, my whole body was shaking. I was just done. And then that little detail, the paper looked like it had been creased and unfurled hundreds of times already. Like, how many times did he rehearse this proposal? He must have been so nervous. Oh, my gosh. And then the throwback to how their relationship started. They would sit at their dining tables writing notes to each other, a la that Taylor Swift song, where they would hold up the notes and show it to each other, and that's how they talked. And so the way he proposes to her is by writing one last note. That is so beautiful. Oh, this book, when it did it right, it did it right. I know I sat here and I criticized and I did this and I did that. But I did start this off by saying I would read another Emily Henry book. I did start it off by saying, spoiler alert, I like the book. So yeah, I did criticize it. But I think in order for you to be like a genuinely hungry reader, like someone who reads not just for pleasure, but also for a little bit of knowledge here and there, you have to be able to take into consideration that sometimes books are bad. Sometimes books have flaws, but that the flaws don't make them good. A good book has flaws. There is no perfect book. So we do have to acknowledge that sometimes books we like do have things that are cringy and stupid, but that doesn't mean they're not good good in the end that doesn't mean i can't recommend them and i also think authors should take into consideration that someone seeing or laughing at one part of a book or doesn't mean they hate you i don't hate emily i don't know her she doesn't know me okay so that was a summary that's how it ended <clears throat> actually nope i lied that was not how it ended i tried to push it Oh, so the way I describe that ending, like what I just read, would that not have been the perfect ending? And, you know, as I just came from talking about how criticism doesn't mean writing is bad, 
one big criticism I had as I'm about to go into the pros and cons list, the way it ended was kind of bad. Um, not bad like it ruined the book bad, but just bad like I felt like it wasn't needed. Because it ends with him opening the note and showing it to her, and across it, it says, marry me. I thought that would have been a perfectly acceptable ending. It would have been so good. Um, but then it continues on for like another two or three chapters where we see the family's reactions. And she talks about how she doesn't need a happily ever after. She just needs like a happy for now. And it's, it's like, it's fine. It's a fine quote. But it's something that should have been said before. And we should have just ended it on that marry me. I feel like that would have been much more. Because when I read the marry me, the marry me was actually on the last page. So I didn't realize there were two more chapters until I eventually flipped the page over. And I was like, oh, <laughs> there's more. But yeah, I saw that marry me. And I started going feral. Like I was screaming, crying, throwing up. Like I said, like, I, I love that ending. I thought it was like perfectly romantic. Um, and I didn't, I didn't like the remaining two chapters. I feel like, not chapters, the remaining two paragraphs. They were definitely not needed. They didn't really add anything to the story. And as far as I'm concerned, the book does end with those two letters, marry me. But yeah, so that was the book. Um, now we're going to go into the review. Believe it or not, we haven't even gotten to the review yet. That was just me giving the summary. And I literally started off by saying I was going to give a shorter summary this time because it's just a rom-com, not a murder mystery. And now look, <laughs> we're 45 minutes in. And I haven't even started the review. I'm such a mess. So we're going to do character analysis first and then I'll give my pros and cons and then my official rating and I'm trying to go I'm going to try to go through them quickly I don't want this to be more than an hour and a half like last time because could you imagine if my review of a romantic comedy is longer than my review of a murder mystery which just has so much more to talk about but I guess I at the end of the day I will always be a rom-com girl as much as I do love murder mysteries I will always be a rom-com girl like Wattpad raised me like, I'm talking literally birthed me and cradled me and took me to school. Um, so I will always be a romantic comedy girl at heart. So as much as I love murder mysteries, I feel like naturally when I read romantic comedies, a more genuine side of me is going to come out because <laughs> they own me. But anyway, character analysis time. First and foremost, my girl January. You know what? I usually don't like main characters in romantic comedies and this definitely is going to make me sound a little maybe a little anti-feminist but sometimes female characters in rom-coms kind of suck and i'm as feminist as they come i'm hashtag women all the way women's rights and women's wrongs must be protected but rom-com female characters really almost never do it for me it's so hard to like them sometimes because they're just they're really weird i don't like when the characters even though they are the main character i don't like when characters know they're the main character if that makes sense like if a character has any sort of semblance to i'm not like other girls you know they know they're a main character and it's, 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 it takes you out of the story because everything revolves around them and it's, it's, it's horrible to read or 
when other characters also revolve only around that one character. It's horrific to read. Um, so I like when characters are actually likable, and January was actually surprisingly likable. She was literally not like other girls. Like, that never once came up. Like, I never once got the idea that she wasn't like other girls. She never once, like, came close to saying something like that. Like, she's not like the other rom-com girlies. She's different. She's, she, she's something spectacular. Like, I really like January, and I'm... I feel like I'm monologuing right now, like, basically, like, worshipping this character. But I really liked her. It was so refreshing to read. And you know what made me start to like her? Her best friend, Shadi, who I'll also talk about. Like, so often, you see so many, like, rom-com characters prioritize the men in their life. But January never hesitates to let the reader know Shadi First and foremost is her number one. Shadi's her is her bestie, and that will be known. And I love that. I love when a character has a best friend because first of all, it makes them like a little bit more fleshed out. They're not revolving their whole life around getting the guy. Like she's got other things going for her. I really love January. I love how much she loved her best friend. Like that really came across to you. And their friendship was super realistic. Everything for having like code names for all their crushes or the time difference. Because my best friend is also miles away. But I really love this friendship. I really, really, really wish we had Shoddy more. Ugh, she should have been there more. But yeah, I really liked January. I thought she was a real realistic person, both with the best friend and also with Gus. Her like take on romance was spectacularly normal. Like she is just a well-written character. I think I would actually get into fist fights about this woman. Like I haven't watched any TikTok reviews yet or any other reviews because I usually like to go on TikTok after I've like watched a movie or read a book to see what other people thought about it. And I haven't seen any reviews yet of this book or any of the characters. But first of all, TikTok is often wrong. So I'm prepared for whatever lie they have to tell me. But yeah, if anyone tries to come for my girl January, I'm actually ready to fight for her. Like I really liked her character. Um, I do think they should have showed us more however romantic she was though i feel like the way she acts towards gus like you can tell she likes him however the way like she claims gus thinks of her is like this fairy princess however she's rarely acting like a fairy princess she certainly does act like a woman in love but she's rarely acting like a fairy princess or at least not my idea of what a fairy princess is so like i feel like I don't know, they should have shown more of that. And you definitely see her being like a more of the optimist between the two, but I think it should have been it could have been done a little bit differently. Um but yeah, overall I thought January was a great character. And I actually really liked her name. I'm gonna say that. I like her name. I don't think January is a bad name. I think it's a really nice name. Plus she can go by Jan if she wants to. Like I thought it was a really nice name. Plus she was born in January. I don't know. I loved it. I like that. So yeah, January was actually my favorite character, which was surprising. Next up, Augustus, aka Gus. Um, I really didn't like him at first, actually. I liked him by the end, or I guess I liked him more than I liked him in the beginning. Um, 
but I feel like the way he was written was a little bit too... I feel... So the first time they describe him, it's like he's got this disheveled hair. His hair is so curly. It's so bad. He looks like he just woke up. He's always depressing and down, and he was the mean kid in college. Like, isn't that such a stereotyped, like, description? Like, I feel like if you were on Tumblr back in the day when people were describing, like, their ideal man, you would see that description. Like, it was a very, it didn't feel like it was, like, a really, like, a real person. You know, every time they talked about what Gus looked like or how he smiled, it was like, yeah, this is a book character. The way January felt real to me, Gus didn't really feel that real. He was still a good character. Like, I feel like I liked his character, but I didn't see him as a person. I kind of just, I literally just saw him as a book character. So that's why, like, I liked Gus. But usually, um, like, usually if I'm reading a romance or if I'm watching a rom-com, like, I want the main lead to be someone that I can see myself, like, obsessing over um so like i want to feel like the relationship is realistic and with gus i don't necessarily think this is someone i would like but i do like him for january if that makes sense like he's not my ideal hottest person ever but i do like him for january like i think he's he's fitting for january so yeah I'll say that like he's he's a character I don't want to say if I I don't think I don't I don't like him or not like him but I do like him for January so that's my rating of Augustus next up shoddy the best friend I really wish there was a lot more shoddy we get text messages I didn't do this in the summary or talk about her in the summary but it's because like her text messages were kind of like plot B so they never really added anything to the story um they were more like um shoddy texting january about like her relationship with this with this guy they call like haunted hat um so and then like you know they both just like text each other about their relationships that they're having but i really liked her character i liked how much they cared for each other and how much they like really tried to make the friendship work despite it being long distance and um yeah i just i really liked shoddy i wished i wish we had seen a lot more of her um and there should have been a scene between shoddy and gus it because it, there was a character there was a chapter where shoddy came to visit january and then there was a scene where shoddy was in the house and gus and january were outside but there's no like um there's no back and forth between shoddy and gus i would have really liked to see them interact in some way i feel like that would have been um like a nice moment but unfortunately they didn't um so but yeah i like shoddy i like shoddy as a character um pete is um augustus's aunt her name is her name is posy but she goes by pete um and i feel like this was she really, she's another character that just felt like a character. Like, I couldn't really see her as a person. I feel like she was there as a way for the book to have a weird character just to have one. So, I feel like Pete wasn't really well-rounded. 
she was kind of like there to move things along like maybe they didn't know how to get the characters together so they're like oh well here's pete his aunt who's here um and yeah and she's in a lot of chapters but like i still don't really know anything about pete she is um gus's mom's sister so she's his aunt she's married to a woman named maggie and she runs a coffee shop and a bookshop and she's in the book club and she likes to talk about spies but it's like that's basically the same thing as maggie like there's nothing that really differentiates them nothing that really it feels like you know you're you're writing your characters in an outline and these are the bullet points for pete and then the only thing you see throughout the book are the bullet points. You don't really see any further details beneath those bullet points. So, I don't know. I don't really have a lot to say about Pete because she didn't really feel real to me. Um, next up, Sonia, the mistress. I think they should have done more with her. I think she should have played a bigger role because by the end, you find out the affair was like... Like, she moved on from it and she basically ended up telling January about the affair because she kind of like wanted to be forgiven and move on with her life but the way they made it sound like she I don't know I just feel like it wasn't that serious for her to like show up at the funeral um so they should have done more with her maybe she didn't know they were having an affair maybe they had like he ha she had like a child with the father I don't know but I don't think it was ultimately that serious how it turned out like if they weren't going to use her they should have just not given her a face and a name at all like if so if the sonia was just like this this enigma like this this entity that was a part of the beach house we never see her we never know her name we know she's there and she's the cause of all of this but we don't even have like the benefit of knowing who she is and i feel like that would have been better because like they don't use sonia anyway so like why give her a name why make me think something more is going to come up? Um, yeah, that's what I think. I don't, you know, I don't have a lot to say about Sonia. She should have either not been included or she should have been included a lot more. Next up, the father. All I have to say about this is men. It's, they're so funny. I think they're so funny. But, yeah, he was literally the star of all of this. <laughs> but I don't like him. Um, next up, the mother. So relatable, honestly. Honestly, I thought the mother was really relatable, but I think they definitely underused her. Um, because you have this mother, she's literally suffering from cancer, but she still puts this like vision of this ideal family before herself. Like, she's suffering from cancer and her husband's cheating on her. I feel like it would have been perfectly reasonable for her to leave this man and to, like, start a new life with just her daughter and, like, caring for her health and not having anything weighing her down. But she doesn't. She stays with this man and she basically lives with this, like, this weight that her husband had cheated on her and her daughter doesn't know about it and they have to continue to present this perfect idea of a family and she has to keep doing that while suffering from cancer and i thought that was just like such a tragedy and we should have learned more about it like moms protect their kids and this idea of this perfect family so much to the point where it literally like it could harm their health and i think this was just like a really like it was like an in your face way to show that like the cancer 
Um, but and then the chapter where she says she doesn't know who she is without being someone's wife or someone's mother. Like I thought that was just so tragic. So I feel like the mom's story was much more needed um, if they wanted to include that like serious side of it. Like if they wanted to be more on the comedy side, maybe remove the affair and remove the funeral. But clearly they wanted she wanted to have like some serious aspects to this. So I think they should have used the mom a lot more. Like her story was really good. And I think she was such a re- realistic character. Like moms will really do anything to protect their kids from harm. Um, and I thought her relationship with her mom was real. Um, the mom deserved better for sure. But yeah, I like the mom. She was another 3D character. January and the mom were definitely my favorite characters. If this had been a book about a mom and her daughter, and then the daughter, like, learning to love again after her father ruined her idea of love, oh, I would have loved this so hard. Um, But Maggie is Pete's wife. She likes rocks. (laughs) That's it. That's all you know about Maggie. So I don't really know. I don't. She's a 2D character, too. Um, but yeah, so those were all the characters. Again, January and her mom were my favorite, and I also really liked Shadi. And then everyone else felt like a 2D character, and I think that's also part of what I was talking about when I mentioned the houses, how the houses felt like, um, the houses felt like it was just those two houses and nothing else. It was just them in the world, because it really doesn't feel like there are any other characters. It's just them. So, um, but yeah. So now I'm going to go into what I didn't like and what I liked. So first on what I didn't like, some of the humor. (laughs) I did talk about this um, with the the pizza shirt. Like it's definitely, a lot of it was millennial humor. And honestly, the first third of the book maybe, like the first couple chapters for sure, I kind of struggled through reading it. It was really, yeah, it was giving not for my generation. So I kind of had to, like, keep pushing myself to read to read more. Um, so I didn't like some of the humor in the beginning. It definitely got, like, towards more my taste, towards the end slash middle. But in the beginning, it wasn't so much more for me. Um, next up on what I didn't like, the cover. So like I said, part of the reason I chose to do this book and the review is because the cover felt like it made it seem like it was an easy-to-read book. Um, like two characters just reading on the beach. Plus, the book is literally called Beach Read. I literally thought it was going to be like people on vacation <laughs> falling in love with each other. I don't. I read the blurb, and still, that's what I thought. But the cover was very misleading. I think you get a lot more serious topics in the book than you would realize. I do know that's like Emily Henry's thing. Like a lot of her covers look like that, so I get why this cover was chosen. But I feel like two characters on the beach maybe was like not the best cover they could have done. They could have done two characters sitting on their porches. That was more realistic. Or a scene where they were sitting at their dining tables. That would have been good. Like where they were sitting at their dining tables looking at each other. That would have made more sense. But I thought the character wasn't really, I, I didn't really like the, the cover. Um, something else I didn't like, they formed their relationship pretty quickly. Like, I went into that whole confusing rant about the bet and how it started and how, like, and how, like, the way it's originally written, it does come off a bit naive. But then if you change it to 
the dates don't come until later, it starts off a little bit better because now they've had time to actually get to know each other. So I do feel like they formed their relationship pretty quickly. And I know they had that history of when they were in college, but it kind of like, um, they kind of moved really quickly. Like I remember there was a scene where she's like, she immediately like vents to him about how his mom, his dad, her dad cheated on um, her mom and how she's out of money and she's desperate. And I don't know, I thought like that's not something you tell someone you don't know. Like you had like what, one or two classes with this guy in college, however many years ago was college. And so you reunite with this guy, you don't know if he's a serial killer or not and you're confessing like your whole life to him. I feel like they move too quickly, too, too, too quickly. Mm, I didn't like that. Or maybe I just didn't understand it. Maybe I was like skipping through some some stuff, but I didn't not like it how I t- interpreted it. Also, they're basically alcoholics. I think in every single chapter, there's definitely a scene where one or both of them, most likely both of them, end up drinking and they wake up hangover so many hungover so many times like (laughs) like she like there's one scene where they wake up and he literally like they both take shots before their coffee but yeah um the other thing i didn't like the interviewing of the cultists the cult members i thought this was gonna turn out to be a bigger thing than it was this is another thing the same with like sonia and the mother where they should have chose, she should have chose one of two routes. She should have either not included this at all or included a lot more of it. Because what we get is them, I think they go to like three, they interview two people plus the one person's mom. And then they like go to a cave, which was super confusing. I'll get to that. But you, the, the, the cult stories were, I mean, they were serious, but I didn't really know how to take it. I thought it was weird. And I thought if he wants to teach her how to write like a tragedy, first of all, they could have done a movie night. She did a movie night. Like she took him to a drive-in where they watched romantic movies. He could have invited her over where they could have watched some of his favorite movies. But instead he takes her to like visit cults, which like I didn't really understand that. And plus by the end, she doesn't write about cults. So like why was she needed there? She doesn't write about cults. Like, her tragedy that she writes is about the circus, which I'm going to get into that. But, so, she doesn't write about cults. He writes about cults. However, he, it was, it was, it was a fake story that never happened. And it was a really bad story. Because, remember, they get crushed to death by a meteor. So, like, what kind of hope is that? You, you, you like interlace this story with aspects of them like interviewing cult members and I'm bringing myself to believe it's going to mean something more, something meaningful. And then you kill, you kill it with a meteor. So I don't know why the thing about interviewing cultists, I think it was like maybe Miss Henry was trying to like have them do something shocking. So interviewing cult members maybe was shocking. But she wasn't really, she, it wasn't really all that fleshed out, I don't think. I think she, they could have done something else or done, made the cult thing much more, like, serious. Um, and then, so, the other thing I didn't like 
is that at times you really can't tell what his deal is. But again, you could take that up to a 2D character, the 2D character aspect. Um, the other thing I didn't like is the stories he ended up writing, I didn't like them. Like his story for sure. The killing of the meteor thing, maybe it's that hopeless romantic in me. Maybe I'm just like so blinded by my love of happy endings that the idea of killing your two romantic leads with a meteor is just so funny to me. I didn't like their stories and I didn't like that his was about cults. It had nothing to do. Like these cults people are telling him like super sad sob stories. And then he writes a book where they get crushed to death with a meteor at the end. Um, and then her book was literally about circus, <laughs> circus people. I thought that was so funny. I don't know. And it was about her family. Like, it was just, like, her way of, like, she wrote about her family. Like, and how everybody has secrets. But she made them circus members. Never explained. And the book title is Curmudgeon. I don't like that. It's her book, her life. I don't like that book title. Um, the other thing I didn't like is that Shoddy, so throughout the story, like I said, Shoddy, you really know her through the text messages because this is a long distance friendship that they have. So Shoddy throughout the story has been talking about this one guy who again is called the haunted man. And I was really starting to get into the story. Like there's so many times, like I think one of my favorite quotes was where Shoddy's like, I think I'm in love. And then January's like, same which another millennial humor like same <laughs> it should have been she should have said me too i don't know what same is but so th um i thought that was really nice and i really wanted shoddy to end up with the um with haunted hat hat man but she ended up with a different person by the end of the book so i really didn't like her, that i should have she should have um ended up with her happily ever after too so i don't know you can really tell January loves her best friend, but maybe at least give your best friend like a consistent love interest too. Um, and the mis the mistress's confession. The like the ending is basically um. The Sonia, the mistress, coming to the beach house and reading a letter to January about her father's love affair with her. She just comes and reads a letter to her about how she was in love with her father, but she moved on. And I just, I don't know how I feel about that. It's another thing. Sonia should have been used a lot. That story, like, if she was going to read a dramatic letter like that, it should have been something so, so, like, that really, like, pun pulls at my heartstrings, you know? Like, I wanted something so serious. But, and it's just... She's just basically using January to get this weight off her chest. And I thought that was a little bit disrespectful, especially considering her father just died too. Like first you show up at the funeral and then you basically stalk this woman to tell her that she, that you're you're a flawed person. And there's one quote, you know, well, I'll, I'll give Emily Henry this. The quote that Sonia said was actually, um, I actually thought it was like a really nice well, but she's basically saying that her flaws don't make her a bad person and um like yeah like you, you're a flawed person it doesn't make you bad but this woman's father just died so yeah i don't know how i feel about that 
I also don't like how it ended. I already talked about that. The ending, how it should have just been marry me on a piece of paper. That should have been how it ended. The, the way it actually ended, talking about, like, just basically giving the friends and families reactions. I don't think that was needed. It was, like, maybe a cute afterthought. But to end your book on that, didn't like that. Um, let's get into what I liked. Yay, the good stuff, the good stuff, the good stuff. Woohoo! Okay, so what I liked. Some of the humor. I actually really like some of the humor. This book, like I said, when it was funny, it was funny. Um, like, so I like how relatable her and her best friend were. Speaking of their love life in code. Um, I like the thing with the spies at the book club when they thought they were going to read a serious book and they ended up reading a book about spies. And then there's also this one scene where they, like, um, go to this, like, diner place and then... <laughs> The person behind the counter was an old man just wearing his underwear. And then the quote is like, Hi, I said again. My brain was caught in a hamster wheel. The same realization playing over and over. This elderly gentleman was in his underwear. That actually made me laugh. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was funny. So yeah, as this does have a lot of millennial humor in it. But some of it was actually really funny. Um, something else that made me laugh was <laughs> um her realization that Gus that Gus was writing a romantic comedy about a suicide cult. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Like I thought it was like a good way to incorporate the fact that he is technically writing a romantic comedy, but he's going to make it about a cult. So I thought like just writing about the cult was funny, but I don't like the meteor thing. I don't know why it was needed. I, I feel like it was overkill. You know, like, we get it. We already know he's not a romantic comedy person. That's why he's writing about cults. So why do you need to kill them in the end? So this is how I would have, like, rewritten it. I think that it would be better if they never interviewed the cult members. I don't think that was needed. I think Gus should have taken her to a few haunted houses, shown her some, like, deeply tragic movies, gone to, like, I don't know, a Shakespeare in the park at night or something. Something to creep her out. I don't think the interviewing of cultists was needed because I felt like they were trying to, like, add, like, a serious undertone to it. But the serious undertone is already there because it's the affair. It's her father's funeral. So the interviewing of cultists was not needed. So they should have not included that part. And then, you know, when you find out that Gus, what Gus is writing about, when you find out that, and when, um, when January says, Gus, are you writing a romantic comedy about a suicide cult? That becomes funnier because, like, there's been no talk of cults up until this point. But it's like this guy is so used to writing weird, creepy stories that even when he writes about rom romance, his romance is about a suicide cult. So it's like it comes out of left field, but it's funny and it's fitting for his character. So like the interviewing of cultists, him ending up writing this romantic comedy about two cult members who are ultimately killed to death in like a way that's pretty like it's cartoony, cartoonly funny. Like it's, it's not fitting for the interviews that we were forced to read about. Um, so I didn't like that. But um. Yeah, so anyway, that's part of the humor that I liked. I also like, I got way off track. 
But I like the small town vibe. I thought that was nice. When it, it really does feel like the characters you meet are the only characters in the world. Their romance. I love the romance. Anticipation. Every time they were talking and he looked at her, I was like, oh my god, just kiss her already. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, I really like that. I thought the romance was so good. And I wrote, there's so many, because I color code my highlighting. And so every time I like, <laughs> I call it like, um, every time I like, um, my heart starts to go crazy, I highlight it yellow. And there's just so much yellow in here. There's so much that actually made me go, um, that actually made me go um, crazy. But, <laughs> so I like the anticipation i like the friendship i talked about her friendship with shoddy i like that i thought it was really realistic um some of the quotes yeah so there were some really good quotes in here that i just thoroughly enjoyed so i actually want to take some time to read them because they're just so good i love writers writers are so amazing they're so good at like making words bring emotion out of a person and I thought Miss Emily Henry did that really well. So I want to go through and like read some of my favorite quotes. Um, let me see. Give me a second to find them. Let me fill the silence while I find them. Um, so I'm singing a song while I find them. Oh, one of my favorite quotes. Happy endings don't matter if the getting there sucks. So I thought that was nice. Um, another one that I really thought was nice was, I almost love him. I'm starting to love him. I love him. I thought that was really cute. I thought it was nice. And one that I thought was funny was, and to think, he said, you promised you wouldn't fall in love with me. Um, yeah, because in the beginning they promised not to fall in love with each other. And then they both fell in love with each other, duh. But um, one of my favorites was, I've never met someone <clears throat> who is so perfectly my favorite person. I thought that was so good. And it's the dedication, because Emily Henry dedicated to her person. And that was the quote she used for him. And I thought that was so cute. And it makes me feel like this is something they say to each other in real life. And just knowing that makes me go crazy. I think that was just nice. Um, another one of my favorites. I feel overwhelmed that you exist. Whoa! So yeah, that's an insane thing to say about someone. I was obsessed. Um, another thing I liked. He liked her. He did like her. And I thought she was a little bit realistic. Maybe not perfectly realistic, but he did like her. Um, I also like the dad's letters. I don't like that they came from him. Because I don't know how I was supposed to feel about the dad's character. I don't... The dad wasn't a good person. He cheated on his wife that had cancer. Like, he had a whole house with this other woman. Um, he does love his daughter. I'll give him that. Like, that's why the, the, the letters are in here. Because through the letters, you can genuinely see a parent that just loves their child. So I love the letters, and especially because they reminded me of a show that I like called Violet Evergarden. 
And in that show, like, it's basically this girl who travels the country to write letters for people, which was a job back in the time period that this took place in. And um, in one of the episodes, she goes to this woman who's dying of cancer. And this woman is raising a girl, a daughter, all by herself. And so you get this, the episode from the little girl's point of view. The little girl wants to play with her mom and she wants to have fun with her mom, but she can't because her mom is so obsessed with writing these letters. And the little girl also wants to play with Violet, but obviously Violet has to write the letters. And so by the end, you like obviously um, the mom has cancer. So um, she, she um, Violet writes her letters and she's just there for a job. So she does leave um the place where she was staying because she was staying there with them and so the little girl is devastated and then she asks her mom like what were you writing those letters about and then um the mom says something like someone you'll meet soon and i just thought that was just so romantic like it was so well done and then you basically flash forward into the future and the little girl gets her very first letter like a year later and it's basically like a year after her mother's funeral because her mother passed away and their first letter is if you're reading this it means i'm dead and it's basically about so like the woman the mother had written a letter for every year of that of her daughter's future birthday so every year on her birthday she would get a new letter so violet had written years for like on your 10th birthday on your 12th birthday on your 21st birthday so the little girl basically throughout her life she gets these letters from her mom because her mom was writing letters to her because she knew she was going to die soon of cancer and she wanted her daughter to feel like her mother was still there. And I just thought that was so beautiful and it made me, it reminded me of Violet Evergarden when I read that in this book, the dad writing letters to his daughter. Except in this case, the dad's letters start from the very first year that... Um, January is born. He basically writes one every year on her birthday. So instead of writing to her on her future birthdays, he writes to her on her birthday and keeps them. And then, um, so the letters are like designed to go out after he dies. So yeah, so he writes a letter to her on her birthday. But it, so the last thing you read basically are these letters. And there's supposed to be this like nice gesture because throughout the story, January is like, how do I feel about my dad? Like, I am sad he's dead, but he did cheat on my mom. And so these letters, I feel like, are supposed to be, like, the dad was a good person after all. But I still don't know how I feel about that. I think this would have been a good way to give the mom more things to do. Like, have the mom, like, she really put her family before everything, this mom. She seems like the more appropriate person who's so sentimental that she'd write a letter for her daughter every day of her birth. So, like, throughout the story, January is having a hard time communicating with her mom because she doesn't know how to talk to her mom anymore after what happened. And so I feel like it would have been a nice way for them to bridge that gap where the mom comes to visit and she brings with her, like, these box of letters or not comes to visit, but like she, she finds letters maybe from her mom that's basically like, I may not always have been able to speak with you throughout the years, but 
I've always had things I wanted to say or just something like that. And she could give her daughter these letters and it would be such a nice moment. So I don't think I liked that they came from the dad. I think they were trying to like, it just made me more confused about how I felt about his whole thing. Like he was a bad husband, good father, but I don't know. He he did love his daughter. I'll give him that. But I think the letter should have come from the mom. Um, And the thing I did like, my alternate ending. Because like I said, my book ends with the page literally ending with marry me. So as long as I never flip the page, I never have to know that there's an additional two paragraphs. So if it just ends in the way that I think it ends, which is just him asking her to marry me, and that is it. We don't find out anything else after that, but we can probably use our common sense and figure it out. So I think my alternate ending, which I will be actually taking as the canon ending i think i like that better so yep that was it those were my pros and cons so ultimately this was a romantic dramedy drama and comedy about a young author trying to deal with her father's death while also processing his affair and her own relationship status some things did move too quickly i think in my opinion while other things may have moved too slow. And like I said, some of the characters were, they didn't feel like people. They were what, they were two-dimensional. Um, and some of the characters should have been either removed completely or added in a whole lot more. Um, but ultimately, I do feel like none of the bad necessarily outweighs the good parts because it's just a romance that serves to entertain, that lives to entertain you. And I think it provided me with just that. Um, a lot of people, I feel like, take romances or take books too seriously. I don't know if I said this in my Murder at Balmoral review, but, um, like, it's no classic that's going to be taught in, like, university classes. But... Not everything has to be a classic. Some things are just there to, like, entertain the masses. It doesn't necessarily make somebody, like, stupid because they like to read fluff piece romance sometimes. Like, this book's cover is literally basically, like, cartoon art, and it's called Beach Read. It's just a beach read. Like, it's just something light for the eyes, which is exactly why I picked it. It's not meant to challenge you. It's not meant to turn you into a whole new person it's just meant to entertain you because books are allowed to be entertaining they don't always have to be the next great thing so although there were a lot of things i criticized in this book i feel like for what it was it delivered it amazingly um beach read was fun it was cute it had me kicking my legs and giggling and i was rolling over in my bed having a wonderful time I really enjoyed it, and I would definitely recommend it to other people. Um, in terms of my official rating, I would say that it's probably a 7 out of 10 overall. However, like I said, this is just a romance. It's meant to entertain you. It does have some serious issues that it discusses as well, but ultimately, the category that it's in is just meant to be fun. That's it. And if I mean, I've described the story in complete detail. My 7 out of 10 is not somebody else's 7 out of 10. So people are not to make decisions for themselves on what 
you know, they think is good or not. And I thought this was 7 out of 10, which is a decent score. It doesn't need to be anything more than that. It doesn't need to be anything more than something that entertained me and made me happy for, um, for, for a few days. So, yeah, I really liked Beach Read. I would recommend it, and my official rating is a 7 out of 10. There are definitely some things I would have changed about it, as I talked about extensively throughout this podcast. Um, and there are definitely some things I would keep. Um, there are some scenes in here that I will be rereading because they're just so funny. Um, but yeah, overall, I would definitely recommend this book. Um, it's really easy to read. You can get to it pretty quickly. Um, yeah, so 7 out of 10, Beach Read. Thank you. Bye-bye.